Hey, Merry Christmas. My name is Bill Sperry. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm the senior pastor here at Beach Point. And I, I, I love that you're here with your family and, and a chance to celebrate. I always have the best seat at our Christmas Eve services. I get the front row here, which in some ways is nice because I get kind of showered by your singing, which is just an awesome experience. And I love the Christmas songs. I love all the different kinds of, of music. I, when I was a kid, our, uh, our neighborhood, we would go Christmas caroling. I don't know if anyone even does that anymore, it, uh, but we as uh, neighborhood kids, it was like a tradition. We loved, uh, the parents would pick us all up. We'd all meet at one house and we'd go door to door. We'd sing the songs, come back, drink hot cho- uh, uh, cocoa and, uh, and uh, cookies and all these things. And we'd do all this kind of stuff. And, and so uh, singing the Christmas songs has always been a lot of fun. I know even people love Christmas Eve services because there's something sentimental about it. There are songs that we just sing once a year. They're kind of songs you kind of save up for, and it's always kind of interesting to, uh, to move into them. Uh, and so I've loved listening to you singing. In fact, I'm not done listening to you singing. Uh, I know there are some of you here who have not quite finished your Christmas shopping, and we're going to help you out. So I need my Santa's little helpers uh, to come up forward. So uh, we got we got an early Christmas present. It's called uh, the Echo. I think it's called the uh, Amazon Echo. Do you, I don't know if you guys have this. Alexa, play Christmas music, and then this thing just finds music and starts playing it in your home. And it's become a very odd experience in our house as people talk to this kind of robot thing and, and going on. But there are songs that are the most popular songs, Christmas songs of all time. And so I want to see if you guys know what some of the most popular Christmas songs are of all time. These, were, uh, these songs were rated in the top 100 songs, Christmas songs of all time. And uh, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to play a portion of the song. If you, can, if you know the next line and you're willing to stand up real quick and sing that part of the line, I have a $25, I think, I have a, I have a gift card, a nice gift card to give you. Okay? All right, so extroverts, you're like... Give me some room here, okay? All right, here's song. Okay, so here's our guys. I'm just looking at them. I'm looking. You got to wait till the song is done and then shoot your hand up or shoot yourself up. And uh, the first flag I see, I'm pointing at them. So song number one, here we go. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Okay, there you go. Go to it. What is it? There we go. Hey, we got a winner. All right. All right, ready? Are you ready? You're in position. Song number two. Song number two. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Right here. Satch. Satch. There we go. Nice. Winner. We got one more chance, one more chance, and some of you are sweating because you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to be buying my Christmas gifts at Rite Aid tonight. So, all right, so one last chance. I'm looking here. I'm dreaming of a Wow. Now, you wouldn't mind having, having her show up at your door, right, and sing that. You're like, how do I hire her? That was awesome. 
Those might be the top 100 or some of the top 100 Christmas songs of all time, but the most popular Christmas song of all time you have already sung. It's a a little chorus that you were singing. It comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It was a little chorus that you sang that simply went like this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. As Matt was reading the passage, you heard that in the Christmas story, there was this moment that was so good that all of the heavens erupted in song, that that heaven couldn't hold back its gates any longer, that the angels just kind of erupted on the scene and began to sing this phrase, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And for 2,000 years, we have gathered around this story. We've been remembering it and thinking about what is it that makes the heavens erupt in song like this? And as we, we share these words every year, what is it that makes the, the angels sing this praise? And we see, as Matt shared, that the news was that what was happening, this event that was happening, was something that was going to cause joy. But not just joy. It says great joy. And that word great there is important because it, it, the way that he's describing the, the, the level of joy, the, the intensity of the joy, is the same word he's using for the intensity of the terror you would feel if you were out in the field and an angel appeared, right? It's the same thing. And he says this event is so good that it's an event that brings great joy for all people. Joy. We've been talking about this Christmas season. The idea of Christmas is, uh, is where our joy is fulfilled. We see that as God sends his son into the world, it is for the purpose that your joy may be fulfilled. And as he does this very thing, we, we discover that joy really is much different than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Some of you will be very happy with the gift you receive. Some of you won't. Uh, some of you will find that some of the things that make you happy this Christmas season, it wanes, it, it, it fades. But joy, you know, is something deeper. It's something lasting. It's not based on circumstances. And so what was it that the angels wanted us to see was happening that would cause such joy? Well, think about this story again. Remember, this, this event happens. This child is born. And the angel comes and says these things. And and we discover the first thing that I I want you to think about this is, if you think about what the angel is saying, why there's joy, is that you realize something, that that God has you on his mind. That God has you on the mind, that he was thinking about you. And he he wanted you to know that he cares about you. And we see the story, it's fascinating, as the angel comes and begins to, to share these things. Think about who those people are that the angel comes to. He says this, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Great news. And who uh, who are the first people to hear it? This news is so great that it can't wait till morning. It can't wait till till another part of the day. The the news is so great. the, The angels are so excited that the news has to go out in that moment. I don't know if there's something this Christmas that you've been so excited about. You haven't been able to wait they haven't been able to hold back. My, my boys uh, started playing golf this last year, and they kind of got into it. So we, we went uh, on Wednesday. We went to Roger Dunn Golf Shop, bought some used clubs from some nice clubs. They, got, they were so excited. We were all, I was so excited that we didn't tell mom this. She's over in the kids. We didn't tell her, but we went out on Thursday and played golf with the things. Then we'll wrap them up later and stick them <laughs> under the tree. 
but we were all so excited. We just couldn't wait till, why are we going to wait till Christmas Day that we have the clubs, let's go play. And in this moment, the angels come, they burst on the scene, they're announcing this, this incredible thing. Now, I don't know if you realize it, they come and announce, and who do they have to announce this to? Shepherds. Shepherds. And if you are a shepherd and you're doing the, the, the night shift, that's a, tough, that's a tough gig. Chances are if you're doing the, the night shift as a shepherd, there is no other job you could do. You are not someone that is employable. You are not very trustworthy. There, there was kind of a reputation shepherds had. They were liars. They were thieves. This isn't kind of the kind of pretty picture we have of shepherds from earlier in the scriptures. By this time, shepherds were outcasts. They were ceremonially unclean because of the things that they were doing. If you're staying up in the middle of the night watching to see if a sheep runs away, you're kind of pushed out to the margins. And these are the people God goes to first. I love it. I love it that the Bible doesn't try to dress it up, that this story is obviously not a fairy tale. You wouldn't tell it like that. If this was a fairy tale, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put people who are untrustworthy as, as your first witnesses. But the Bible simply tells it like it is. And when God goes first to shepherds, there's a way in which he's saying, I had them on my mind. I think about them all the time. My thoughts for them are as numerous as the stars in the sky, as, as the grains of sand on the beach. And he's saying to you and he's saying to me, I think about you and I have a, I have a plan for you. See, that's the thing we start to see is that not just was a baby born, but this baby, there was something special about this baby. And we see that, that when this baby came, that, that, we, that God was working out a plan to rescue us. He describes the child this way, that the child is, is a, he doesn't even say a child has been born. He says a savior has been born. He is a savior. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And as we begin to see this, this amazing thing, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He's not just any baby. He is the Savior. And I don't know about you, but I need a Savior. I've discovered more and more as I've gotten older and wiser that there is a real punk living inside of me. Uh, it shows up in my hockey games, right guys? Uh, when I get cross-checked from behind and don't see it coming. And decide I'll take matters into my own hands. It shows up when my kids won't do things my way. It shows up when something enticing uh, tells me it can bring pleasure to my life in a moment. But ultimately it will bring hurt and destruction. Uh, There's a punk inside of me. And there's a punk inside of you. Merry Christmas. (laughs) And you and I need a savior. See this, this desire inside of us, this, this kind of thing that's going on, this nature inside of us is something that we cannot solve for ourselves. But God, since the very beginning of the scriptures we see, has desired a relationship with us. And even when we kind of mess that whole relationship up, God began to work out a plan, a rescue plan to bring us back to himself. We need a savior and I love that, that if you think about the, the very name that is given to this child, we're told that Joseph is told you're to give him a name, and that name is to be Jesus. 
And the name Jesus literally means God saves. This is his name. This is his, his nature. This is what he's come to do. And he's come to save us from ourselves and from death. He's come to save us not just from something, but for something, for himself. Both now and forever. We need a savior. Chances are, if you grew up in Huntington Beach, you were a junior lifeguard at some point, some summer, right? And you remember kind of uh, frolicking in the Pacific Ocean with your friends, practicing saving them. And you would tell them, stop, stop fighting me. I'm trying to save you as you rest, uh, you know, kind of wrestled them into the shore. And you learned it's very hard to save someone who doesn't want to be saved. And we see this unique way that if if we could save ourselves, if there was any other way, then certainly God would have allowed it. But, But there was no other way. And so God sent his one and only son for us. We need a savior. And because of Bethlehem, and because of this day, we see that God has sent one for us. But here's what I love. Not just has he saved us from something, he saved us for something. He has saved us for himself. See, what we see in this this great story is that you were designed. God wants you to know that you do not have to do life without him. He never wanted you to do this life without him. And he certainly doesn't want you to do the rest of your existence without him. Think about the invitation that the shepherds are given. They're given this invitation when it's all said and done. They say, now, go to this place and see for yourself. There will be a baby. He's going to be wrapped in these swaddling cloths. He's lying in a manger as if you're going to find any other babies lying in a feeding trough. But just to make sure you know you got the right one, that's the one. But think about what they're being invited to do. Go see for yourself. And those shepherds come as the first witnesses. And as they're looking, think about what they're thinking. They are looking at the face of God. God would travel all this way, enter all this this stuff to be in a relationship with you, to, to make you his own. And they're invited, go and see. See, The moment that they're looking into this face, they're seeing something that here's one who's come into this world to see as we see and to feel as we feel and to know the things that you go through. There's a great story of a a missionary, a a man named uh, uh, George Harley, Dr. Harley. He was a a doctor in Liberia and he was a medical doctor, set up like a medical clinic and, and mission there. He also set up a chapel. And over the time that he was there, he, he helped thousands and thousands of, of patients. But in his first years there, it was very interesting. He had a very strong medical mission, but no one ever came to the chapel. No one ever wanted to come to a service. When he first got there, he and his wife gave birth to a son, Robert. And Robert just had a blast growing up in the village, living out amongst them. When Robert was about five years old, he, there was a, a moment where, where uh, uh, the doctor was looking out and he saw his son running and then fall to the ground. And he got up and he ran and he fell to the ground. And Dr. Harley said that he ran out and grabbed his son. He could feel the fever in his body. And he held his son. He said, don't worry, son. Daddy knows how to handle this. Whatever this is, I can, I can take care of it. 
Weeks went by, no cure worked, and eventually Robert died. Doctor Took went into his little workshop. He built a coffin for his, his tiny son. He placed his body in it. He nailed it shut, and he placed it up on his shoulder, and he began to walk out to the edge of the forest. As he began to walk out, one of the elders saw him and what he was doing, and so he offered to come and help and to carry it with him. And as he walked out into that, that, the clearing, they dug a hole, they placed the coffin in, and they, they covered it over with dirt. And Dr. Harley could really not take it any longer. He fell to his knees. And he just began to sob and sob and sob, as you can imagine. And he said something interesting happened. He said the elder looked at him funny. He said he kind of bent down. And got, he crouched down. And he started to look at him. And he was staring into his face as he was weeping. And he said all of a sudden he got up. And he began to run back to the village. And he began to yell, white man cries like us. White man cries like us. That night, the doctor and his wife were in their little cottage that they were there, their little hut. And a knock came at the door. And at the front of the door, the entire village was there. And they were there to mourn with them and to be with them. And he said Sunday came, and for the first time in five years, the chapel was full. And he said something happened. He said, when they saw my tears, they understood why I was there. When they looked into my face, they understood why I was there. And Luke tells us that when we look into the face of the child that is lying in that manger, we understand a little bit better why he's here. He cries like us. He hurts like us. He feels the things we feel so that you don't have to do this life alone. See, there are going to be times in your life where you're going to realize that it's too hard to do it by yourself and things get difficult. And in those times, you're going to hear this whisper where he says, I got you. I got you. My friend Emmanuel Tarsus, he's an artist, and uh, it's been fun to watch Manny grow as he has learned to trust God with his life and to follow him. And God has used him in some very unique ways to tell his story of growing and trusting and following Jesus. And Jesus has taken him around in this last year to all kinds of different places to share. And you would think that if you give your life to God and you begin to trust him in big, uh, big ways, that all your problems go away. And Manny discovered that that's not always the case. He was up in the Bay Area and his truck got broken into his backpack was stolen. All his money was taken. And if you're a single dad and you have no money, that puts you in a compromising situation. It's not the kind of situation that creates happiness. But for Manny, it was a moment for him to experience joy. Not because of the circumstances, but because in that situation, he had a chance to understand that God was still with him. He was with him before that. He'll be with him after that. And God would get him through that. See, what Manny began to discover is the the beautiful part of Christmas. Is that Christmas communicates what Matt was just telling you. Christmas tells us this. That God 